That's right. Let's all say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, now it, it's a little cold. It's a little cold. But isn't it good to be among the people of God? Yeah. You know, uh, especially we got our burning spirits here. And just the more you kind of snuggle in and just get closer here, the warmer you get. You know what I'm saying? So uh, just, uh, just hang with us. Um, this message will only be two hours. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's, it won't be that long. It won't be that long. Um, if, you, if you have an outline, wave it at me. If you have an outline, wave it at me. If you don't have an outline, get, get, a, get an outline. So, just raise your hand. Somebody will bring one to you. We've got plenty back there. We've got a couple of right, We've got about three right here. The sisters will pass them out to you. Um... The topic, everybody, hey, look at the front, look at the front of your packet, and let's all read the big title up at the top. Let's read it all together. Ready, go. We're going to be in the book of Romans this afternoon. We're going to cover the whole book. We're going to cover the whole book of Romans. You excited about that? Me too. Me too. Yeah. We're going to be in the gospel of God in Romans. And the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul tells us what the whole book is about in three words. He uses three words in the very first verse of the whole book and tells us what is the content. And that phrase is this, gospel of God. The gospel of God. Actually, some um, Bible scholars tell us that this is the fifth gospel. How many gospels are in the New Testament? Yeah, I always thought there was four, but I guess there's five. I guess there's five. The four Gospels that we commonly refer to, they are a record of what Christ did outside of us. He became a man. He lived a sinless, perfect human life. He died on the cross for the remission of sins. He was buried. He rose on the third day and ascended on high. They're a record of what Jesus did outside of us. The fifth gospel, the gospel of God in the book of Romans, is a record of what Jesus does inside of us. Have you ever considered this before? The gospel of God in the book of Romans, the fifth gospel, is a record of what Jesus does inside of us. So, very interestingly, this phrase, gospel of God, is used in the first verse, but Paul uses a different phrase to describe the same gospel just two chapters later. Two chapters later, in 2.16, he uses this phrase, my gospel. 1.1, one, one, it's the gospel of God. In 2.16, Paul says, God will judge the secrets of men in Christ Jesus according to my gospel pretty bold statement. These two gospels aren't different. They're not different. What that means is that Paul was so riveted by and constituted with, he owned and lived the gospel of God so much that it became his gospel. Amen. His vision of the breadth and depth of God's gospel, his vision of of what the good news of God is was so wide and so vast and so expansive that it matched God's vision of what the gospel is. Paul's vision 
matched what God's vision of the good news is. Thus, God's gospel became his gospel. So, brothers and sisters, the question I want you to be asking yourself as we get into the book of Romans today is, what is my vision of the gospel of God? What's, what's my vision? What's my vision of the good news of Christ Jesus? This is a question I want you to be asking today. Does it match in breadth and depth, in vastness, in its expanse? Does it match God's vision of what the gospel is? Does it match the vision that he gave to the Apostle Paul? We want to be in the book of Romans to the extent that our vision is broadened to see and appreciate and know what the full breadth and depth of the good news of God for man is. Amen? Amen. And uh, just so, uh, you know, we're not going to be out here too long. Don't worry. Just two hours, like I said. (laughs) So that you get the point from the jump. Okay, about what this message is about. Let's read the title at the top. Ready, go. What's it say? Uh, Sorry? You mean sinners to saved, right? Wait, that's not what it says? Wait, did I get a typo here? What's it say? You mean sinful to forgiven. Oh, wait, what's it say? Sinners to sons. The good news of God, brothers and sisters, includes much more than you could ever imagine. It's not just sinners to saved. It's not just cleansed. It's not just um, dirty to cleansed. It's not just finally accepted. God has much more in store for us. Brothers and sisters, He he desires to take us from sinners to being sons of God in life. And I hope that you drive home to Austin, Texas today. I know you're not all from Austin, Texas. But I hope you drive back to Austin, Texas today full of revelation that God is making me His son. I hope that you're impressed with what the good news of God is. He has good news for man. I'm going to have to keep playing with this mic on my face because it keeps coming off. (laughs) He has good news for man. It's so good, it's so good that in Romans 1.15, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in Rome. He's writing to believers. They're already saved. And he says this. He says this in Romans 1.15. For my part, I'm ready to announce the gospel to you. I'm ready to announce the gospel to you also who are in Rome. You who are in Rome, the believers in Rome. I want to come preach the gospel to you. Amen. Would you have still come today if we said we're going to have two gospel meetings? You might have thought, well, I would like to go to Enchanted Rock, but I kind of already believed the gospel. The gospel of God includes more than you could ever imagine. Brothers and sisters, God has good news for you today. So the Apostle Paul, he's so impressed with the good news of God for man. He says to those who are in Rome, you believers, I want to come and preach the gospel to you. 
the gospel, within the gospel of God, there are, there's something here for unbelievers and believers alike. For unbelievers and believers alike. For believers of all ages and stages. No matter where you are in your Christian faith, there's something for you today in the gospel of God. Let's read verse 16 together. I'm on point one, the gospel of God. Let's read Romans 1, 16 together. I've already read 15. It's the second sentence. Ready, go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, both to Jew first and to Greek. Why is Paul not ashamed of the gospel? Ah, see, I'm seeing all these um, wonderful skills that you've learned in college come out. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Power here is the Greek word dynamis. Dynamis sounds a whole lot like dynamite. The gospel of God is the dynamite of God. If we were going to anglicize the word dynamis, we would, we would call it dynamo. The gospel is the dynamo of God. What's a dynamo? A dynamo or dynamis is something, it's a source from which unending energy, infinite energy comes forth. Infinite energy. It's like a nuclear bomb that goes off and continually explodes without stopping. Endless energy. It has inherent power. It has inherent power. Brothers and sisters, the gospel is the dynamo of God. Amen. And it issues in something. When you touch it, something happens. It results in something. Unto what? Salvation. Salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul's saying, the gospel, the good news, I'm not ashamed of that. Let me tell you why. It's the dynamo of God. And it results in something. When people hear it, when they touch it, when they see it, when they believe it, when they accept it, when they stake their lives on it, something happens. It results in salvation. I want you to touch the dynamo of God today. Amen. If you touch it, your life will get changed. And I think we'll see at the end of this message, we need to touch it every day. We touch it every day. The power of God unto salvation to everyone who works really hard for it. Oh, wait. Oh. To everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. Verse 17. Let's read verse 17 together. Ready, go. Why is the gospel powerful? We've got another four here in this next sentence. Why is the gospel powerful? The righteousness of who? God. Wouldn't you expect it to say the righteousness of man is revealed in it? The gospel makes us righteous. When we believe it, it makes us righteous. But that's not what this, that's not what this verse says. It says the righteousness of God is revealed in it. Brothers and sisters, you know why the gospel is powerful? 
Because it reveals, it opens up the nature of God. And it reveals to us, our God is righteous. And not only does He just save, but He does so in a way that declares to the whole universe who He is. He's righteous. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God, that He saves us in a righteous way. It opens up who He is. So the gospel reveals the righteousness of God, but what does the history of mankind reveal? The gospel reveals to us something about God. The history of mankind reveals something too. It doesn't reveal the righteousness of God. The history of man reveals the wrath of God. Verse 18, the very next verse. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven upon all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold down the truth in unrighteousness. The very first thing that the Apostle Paul touches is the condemnation of all men. God, Paul, God, through the Apostle Paul, is gonna, he's going to do a masterpiece. It's a magnum opus of what the good news of God is for man. He's going to paint an incredible picture. But in order for us to be impressed by it, the first thing he does is he paints a black background. See, the good news of something, it, it may not have the same impact unless there's a strong contrast upon which it's compared. The first thing that the Apostle Paul does is he reveals to us the condemnation of all men. And when you look at man's living, the acts that we do, the lives that we live, the things that we carry out, it reveals the wrath of God. And pay attention particularly to this phrase, they do something at the end of verse 18. What do they do? Who, what? Hold down the truth in unrighteousness. This is like, have you ever tried to hold a beach ball under the water? It's not so easy, right? Because there's a power there that wants to, wants to come out. All of mankind has a certain amount of truth within about God. And what the Apostle Paul reveals here is that continually throughout our lives, we're attempting to hold down that truth. Uh, don't, don't, oh. oh. <laughs> you ever done this before? I have, I have. I have. Growing up, there were times where I would, ooh, I'd try to avoid the meeting of the church because I knew I was going to hear and I wanted to, I want to hold down that truth. This is, the kind, this is the act that all mankind are continually involved in, holding down the truth in unrighteousness. Let's read verse 20 together. Ready, go. this tells us is that via creation, via the things made, via 
the trees, enchanted rock, um, all of creation, there's continually a message coming forth about the Creator. Creation is continually shouting to us about God. And it's letting us know His eternal power and His divine characteristics. Can you believe it? All of creation is continually communicating to us about God. You know what Enchanted Rock is, might be saying right now? I don't know if it is, but anyway. Enchanted Rock might be saying, God is huge. Amen. He's strong. He's solid. Amen. You ever think about this? Psalm 19, 1 and 2 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Have you ever wondered why is space so big? Because God is so glorious. That's why space is so huge. Rightly so. It declares the glory of God. Amen. And it says, night to night, the stars in the heavens, they pour forth speech. Did you know that? This is Psalm 19, 1 through 2. Pours forth speech. Day to day tells out knowledge. But it says this, their words are not heard. Why? Because whether consciously or not, we're all engaged in holding down the truth. I know the wind's getting strong. Don't worry. All of creation speaks to us about the Creator. Okay, what else? Let's read the next verse. 21, ready, go. And let's read 32 also. Ready, go. So what these verses tell us is that without ever having touched a Bible and without ever having talked to a missionary, every single man, in some sense, knows God. We all know God. No Bible necessary. We know God. What else do we know? We know the invisible things of Him. How eternally powerful He is. Some of His divine characteristics. We just know by looking at creation. What else do we know? That we should thank Him. Amen. I, brothers and sisters, where did the food that you ate today come from? Yeah. Did you ever think about that? You didn't do anything to obtain that. Somebody put seeds in the ground and food came out. It's, I, it's, I was thinking about this. It sounds magical. It sounds magical. I put these little things in the ground and food comes out of the dirt. Have you ever been impressed by this? You know what that, you know what that teaches you? I, I, I need to thank God for this food. I, I, I cannot create food that I need every day to sustain myself. I can't, I can't, I can't even make my own food. It just pops out of the ground. Thank you, God. That we should thank Him, we should glorify Him, and what else? Verse 32, all men, no Bible, no missionary necessary, know that there is a coming day in which God will judge righteously. 
Whoa. Think about this. And how do they know it? Just via creation. Just via creation. Brothers and sisters, I want you to consider what a miserable existence to be continually engaged all of your life holding down the truth in your conscience. Holding down the truth. Holding it down via what? Uh, just a few more uh, snap streaks. I mean, I'm, I'm, not that I'm against Snapchat. But just, you, you understand. Oh, I'm really busy. I've got a lot of things going on. You know, I've got a lot of relationships. And, you know, I'm doing things. I've got big things going on. Yeah, and at night, just, well, let me just check, uh, let me just check one more YouTube. Let me just, uh, one more season. Uh, one more, oh, three more seasons. Oh, and then my, my favorite show ran out of seasons. Like, what am I going to do? I'll, oh, no, the truth's coming out. Ooh. Brothers and sisters, we laugh, but serious. Oh, yeah, that's right. What a miserable existence to spend your whole life merely trying to distract yourself from the beach ball of truth in your conscience. This is what all mankind is engaged in. And, and because of that, because we desire the lie rather than the truth, because we desire creation rather than the creator, because we want dishonorable passions, God eventually says, I'll, I'll just give you what you want. I'll, it's fine. Ha have at it. This is what happens. But I, I want you to, let's just, let's just dream. Let's just dream. What if, what if, just a what if. What if our entire record of ungodliness could just be... And let's just pretend, right? Every day, all day, 24-7, 365, holding down the truth and unrighteousness. Let's just... What, what if? What if the whole thing could be just as if we'd never sinned? I mean, what if, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be incredible? Amen, would. uh, wouldn't it be like, uh, I believe. It, it'd be hard to believe, right? Believe. It'd be hard to believe. I've known all my life. I've known God. I've known that I should thank Him. I've known that I should glorify Him. I've, I've known all of these things all of my life. No Bible, no missionary necessary. I've continually held down the truth and unrighteousness in my conscience all the time. What if it could all be swept away? What if? Wouldn't that be good news? Amen. Brothers and sisters, God has good news for you. He's good news for man. To be justified, to be justified means it's just as if I'd never sinned. To be justified means it's just as if I'd never sinned. Let's read Romans 3, 21, 24, and 25 together. All those. Let's read them. Ready? Go. I 
I know you may not have a pen, you may not have a highlighter, but highlight it in your mind, okay? If you don't, if you do have a pen, circle it, star it, remember it, text it to yourself, take a picture of it, remember it for the rest of your life. By His grace, say that. By His grace. And then remember this, faith, this, this phrase, through faith in His blood. Through faith in His blood. By grace. Through faith. God's done a wonderful thing, brothers and sisters. Because he knew the vast, huge account of debt that we owed because of the many sins we've committed in our life. He became a man. He lived a sinless human life. And then he went to the cross saying, I will take them. I'll, I'll take that. All the thoughts... All the things, the things you hid, the things you did publicly, the things on social media, the thoughts, the feelings, the mood toward your roommates. I'll take it and I will bear it. I'll take it and I'll bear it on the cross. He made propitiation. That means to appease. That means he appeased God. All our problems, everything that stood between you and your Creator, Jesus Christ, in one fell swoop, took care of. He bore the wrath of God that we, that we, you and I, justly deserve. He said, I'll drink the cup of wrath for them because I love you and I've got good news for you. This is what Jesus did. And when we believe by His grace, through faith in His blood, all the problems are taken care of. Amen. Say, no problemo. no problemo. Brothers and sisters, there's no problems between us and God. Hallelujah. It's just as if we'd never sinned. Amen. Isn't that incredible? Hallelujah, brother. Okay, now... That's condemnation and justification. Usually, when we use the word gospel, this is what we think of, right? That only takes five chapters of the book of Romans. So here's my question to you. If that only takes five chapters, and Romans is 16 chapters long, what in the world is Paul talking about for 11 more chapters? <laughs> I'm serious. I want you to think about it. This is not even one-third of the way through the book of Romans. What's our vision of the gospel of God? When I was a freshman in college, I got saved! It was incredible! I grew up in church all my life, heard the gospel a ton. But it was my freshman year in college that I opened, I repented, I received the Lord Jesus by His mercy. Everything changed for me. Wow. Everything changed for me. Hallelujah. All of my debt, all of my sins, everything that stood between me and God got out of here. It was awesome. And I started going to church. Whoa! And I started hanging out with Christians. That for me was a big thing. I didn't, ha I didn't have any Christian friends. I didn't have any. 
And the Lord gave me some Christian friends, and we would hang out. And the first thing they did, they bring me to Christian meetings, and we'd enjoy the Lord. We'd like sing all the singing. I just remember, just I mean, I wasn't singing my lungs out, but that's what it felt like, you know. Just <laughs> praise the Lord. Yeah. I was released. Wow. But I don't know if you've ever experienced this. After a little while, that exuberance, a little bit, you know, kind of wore off. And then I found out, you know what? I'm still a giant sinner. That's some real serious failures. And I'd, I'd really, man, I'd just sing and praise the Lord on Sunday. And then I'd go throughout the week and big failure, big failure, big failure, big depression, big sad. And then I, I you know basically get wheeled into church, you know what I mean? It's like I'm on the, you know, it's like I'm about to, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm walking like this, you know, but spiritually I'm just like, uh, you know, <laughs> got to be carried in. You ever experienced that? Yes. Then maybe I would enjoy the Lord, maybe I wouldn't. And it might, that might go on for three or four more weeks. And then, you know what? I get freshly impressed again. Jesus loves me. He, he died for me. Praise the Lord. I've been forgiven. I confess my sins. And, and then I'll be enjoying again. Amen. And then I'd go big failure again. Yeah, sure. Is this sounding familiar? Yes. Basically, brothers and sisters, I lived in this big cycle. Freshly appreciating the forgiveness of my sins. I'm eternally forgiven. But presently, my condition, I'm still a wretched man. So I would go from eternally forgiven, presently wretched, continually disappointed. Then I come around again. Hey, praise the Lord. Appreciate the forgiveness of my sins. I'm eternally forgiven. Hallelujah. Oh, wait. I'm presently wretched. I had another big failure. Thus, guess what? I'm continually disappointed. And it's not so easy to talk about Jesus with my friends anymore. Does that, does that sound familiar? Eternally forgiven, still presently wretched, and actually continually disappointed. Is there more to the gospel? Is there more to the Christian life than being eternally forgiven, still presently wretched, and continually disappointed? If the Apostle Paul were here, and we said, Paul, hey, brother, praise the Lord. So glad you're here. Love your books. Big fans. <laughs> anyway, not big fans. We just, we love your books. They're the word of God. <laughs> Eat them every day. The Apostle Paul, is there more to the gospel than being forgiven of my sins? I hate to even, like, ask that because it sounds bad, but... Paul, I'm just let me tell you what's going on with me. And, and da, 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 da. Is there more to the gospel than me being just forgiven? Is, is there more to the Christian life than me circling around back next month? I get over my disappointment. I spend enough time away from the brothers and sisters so that I don't feel bad anymore. Then I come back to church and I appreciate the forgiveness of my sins again. And then is there more to the Christian life than me being eternally forgiven but still a giant, huge disappointing sinner? Is there more to the gospel than being forgiven of my sins? The Apostle Paul would say, no. 
There's not more. There's much more. The Apostle Paul would say, no, there's not more. There's not more to the gospel than you being forgiven. There's much more to the gospel than you being forgiven of your sins. The good news of God is much more than we could ever fathom. But let's see it in God's word. Next point is sanctified. Let's read Romans 5.10 together. Ready, go. Much more? No, 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 no. I mean, let's, let's be real. Much more? Much more. Do you believe it? Yes. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? Much more. We will be saved in his life. Having been reconciled. Having been reconciled, past tense, much more now. Now, much more salvation in his life. Having been reconciled. Reconciliation, past tense. Now, much more. Much more salvation for you. You like salvation? You like being saved? You like God's life? This salvation is in God's life. Much more salvation in his life. Right now? Right now. In his life, the Greek word is zoe. It's the uncreated life of God. That means, how do we experience much more salvation? We experience much more salvation in the life of God. Meaning, he literally gives us his life and makes us his sons. We receive the life of God. So God's not just our father in the kind of way of, oh, like he accepts me and he um, adopts me and he kind of considers me, um, you know, kind of, okay, I'll be around, kind of like the pet dog. You know, it's okay, yeah, you're a wet dog, you come in from the cold and you can hang out by the fire. And No. God has given us his life. Amen. If you have God's life, you are God's son. Amen. Do you see it? Much more salvation in his life. In his life. And you know what? As this life grows, we look and act more and more like our Father. This is a little bit, I mean, I don't know if this is good news or bad news for you, but the older you get, the more and more you're going to be like your parents. Oh, no. Everybody say, oh, no. In a few years, you may say, well, that's okay. I mean, anyway, you may appreciate your parents more. But now that I'm just really old, I just I see it more, okay? The more I say things that are just like my dad, okay? Hey, I just, you know why? I got his DNA. I got his DNA. I don't even have to try. It just happens. What if you get God's DNA? The more that life matures the more you'll be like your father. Amen. Okay, but what's this practically look like? Let's not just talk vision. What's it practically look like? I mean, I appreciate it. Whoa, I got God's life. 
That's why I can be God's son, because I have God's life. But what's that look like? Tell me. Much more salvation in his life sounds good. Sounds good. But what's it look like? Can you break that down for me? I want to experience that. What it looks like is the transition from Romans 7 to Romans 8. To be sanctified, this whole section is under being sanctified. Sanctify is the verb form of holy. It means holify. Who's the holy one in the universe? So to holify you means you're becoming like your father. That make sense? God is holy. He's holifying us. Thus, we're becoming like our Father. Make sense? Okay. Now, let's see it in action. I want you to read the two verses under Romans 7. Actually, just read the first one. Romans 7, 19. Read that. Ready, go. That sound familiar? You know why? Because you're, you're a card-carrying member of the big, weak sinner club, just like me. <laughs> Welcome. You may not have known. You've been a member ever since you were born, okay? <laughs> older you get, the more you'll realize it. Big, weak sinner. Thus, I do not do the good which I will. Actually, it's the stuff that I don't will. That's what I practice. Okay, now read verse 24. Ready, go. Eternally forgiven, presently wretched, continually disappointed. What an awesome Christian experience, right? (laughs) Let's be real. It's not so awesome. Let's be real. Brothers, let's be frank. That's not that awesome. That's not that awesome. You know what is awesome? What you're about to read in Romans 8. Let's read Romans 8, 2 together. Ready, go. Say, freed me. Freed me. You like to be free from your besetting sins? Yeah. Would you like to be free from the things that you cannot help but do? Would you like to be freed from that? We're all sinners of a different flavor, okay? For some of us, it's one thing. For others of us, it's another. But somehow it comes up again and 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 again. And then you go to a meeting like a sad puppy dog. Everybody else is, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, man, that was so good. And you're like, oh, yeah, man, woo. Man, that sure was good. Can I go hide somewhere? The law of the spirit of life has freed me in Christ Jesus. The more we allow the life of God to mature and grow in us, the more the law of that life operates and it frees us. It frees us from the besetting sins we could never get over and are so embarrassed of. This is what being made a son of God more and more looks like. As the sons of God mature, this is what happens in their daily living. 
How about that? You like that? Much more in his life. Let's read 8.6 together. Ready, go. Would you like your thoughts to be filled with the life of God? Yes. How horribly scary would it be if all of our thoughts were projected onto a movie screen right here? All the things about our roommate. All, all the things about uh, the brothers and sisters that we're closest to, that we even like the best. What if just all the thoughts that we had about the brothers we like the very best were put on a movie screen? You know what the title of that movie would be? Death. Death. The mindset on the flesh is death. That's the only option sinners have. Sons of God have another option. The mind set on the spirit is Zoe life and peace. You like your mind to be filled with the peace of God? Yeah. This is what happens to sons of God as they mature in God's life. Pretty practical, right? Freed, Freed from our besetting sins and inwardly filled with life and peace. Yes to being free. That's right. This is what it is to be sanctified. But the life of God is not content to only change our inward being. Change our mind, our emotion, our will, the decisions we make, the feelings we have, the moods that we allow ourselves to remain in, the thoughts. God's life is not only content to change your inward being. He wants to spread to your physical body. Glorified. Let's read Romans 8, 14 together. Just the first verse. Ready, go. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Do you have the Spirit? Yes. You are a son of God. Are you led by the Spirit? Yes. Oh, good, good, good. You're a son of God. Amen. Led by the Spirit? Yes. Son of God. Amen. That's good news. But there's more. Verse 19. Ready, go. Has it been fully, completely revealed yet that you're a son of God? When you walk into Chemistry 301, I don't even know if that's a class. (laughs) But when you walk into class, does everybody go, whoa, you're a son of God. Do people do that? Okay, good. I'm not the only one. People don't do that to me either. People don't do that to me either. Am I a son of God? Yeah. But is it fully revealed that I'm a son of God? No. God's life, when the Lord returns, God's life will extend to and saturate your physical body. It's going to be fully revealed. And actually, what this verse tells us is that All of creation is anxiously awaiting this. You know what Enchanted Rock is doing right now? Maybe right now it'll be revealed that they're sons of God. 
You know what the stars are going to be doing tonight? The stars, the moon, they're going to be staring down. Please let it be tonight that they're revealed. The sons of God are manifested. All of creation anxiously awaits this. March Madness is not a big deal. All of creation anxiously awaits one thing. For the Lord to return and the sons of God to be physically manifested. That means if we're here, brothers and sisters, if we're here and the Lord returns, you may be in class studying and all of a sudden, your physical body will be saturated with glory. And everyone will, whoa! I knew there was something about you. I knew there was something about you, man. Wait, what club were you a part of? They won't have to guess. They'll know. You're a son of God. I can, I can hardly stand to look at you. You're so glorious. The life of God will eventually extend to our physical bodies. So I want you to know, brothers and sisters, in the epistles, in the epistles, the people of God, Christians, believers, how many times would you guess that they are referred to as sinners in the New Testament? Remember, we are sinners. We are. We sin because we're sinners. So is it true that we're still sinners? Yes. Yes. How many times in the epistles do you think the New Testament writers refer to the people of God as sinners or as singular sinner? How many times? Two, two thousand? Okay, pretty big span. (laughs) What else? Five times. Five times. In the whole New Testament... In the epistles, in the epistles, the people of God are referred to as sinner or sinners five times. How many times do you think in the epistles the people of God are referred to as the sons of God? Okay, we got another 2,000. Ten times. You know what that means? You're two times a son of God than you ever were a sinner. You're two times a son of God. In the concept of the New Testament, believer, Christian, your identity, your identity is changing. What you've known all your life is that you're a sinner. You've known all your life. Perhaps for some of that time you tried to hold down that that truth. But at some point... By faith, by grace, through faith, you received the salvation of God. You were justified. And now you're being sanctified. God is changing your identity. You were a sinner. You are a son. God's changing your identity at your core. You've always been a sinner. God is making you in every aspect of your being a son. You're two times a son than you ever were a son. 
So, brothers and sisters, because we do still sin, we need to learn. We need to learn to preach this gospel. You know, the first person you need to learn to preach this gospel to is yourself. It's ourselves. The first person you need to learn to preach this gospel to is yourself. You pick up the points from the Apostle Paul. You pick up the points from the book of Romans. I was condemned. Past tense. I was condemned. The same as all men, I was condemned. But God has justified. Now much more in his life, I am being sanctified. And in the coming day, I will be glorified. The morning after a big failure, you wake up, you know, oh man, I'd be good if I would pray, but I had another big failure. You know who needs to hear the gospel? And you know who's there to preach it to you? (laughs) The same as all men, I was condemned. But the righteous God has justified. Now, in his life, now, it doesn't mean I've arrived. But now, I am being sanctified. And in the coming day, I will be glorified. I am a sinner. I'm being made a son. I'm a son. And I'm being made a son in every aspect of my being. You know who else needs to hear this gospel? You know who else needs to hear the good news of God for man? Yeah, everybody does. (laughs) But the next person that needs to hear this is your buddy. It's your companion. It's your roommate. It's It's the people that you rode in the car with to Enchanted Rock. How about when they have a big failure? Eternally forgiven, praise the Lord. Still presently wretched. And actually, usually continually disappointed. Don't they need to be infused with faith? Amen. Don't they need to hear the good news of God for man? Amen. Brothers, they do. Yeah. It's easy to tell. You know when your buddy's down. Yeah. That's right. They need somebody gently and tenderly to come and infuse them with the good news of God for man. You were condemned. You were condemned. God has justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's your condition. It's just before God, it's just as if you'd never sinned. Brother, I got good news for you today. You woke up on the wrong side of the bed, it's just as if you'd never sinned. Hallelujah! Doesn't, you, doesn't your roommate need that good that gospel? Yeah, that's right. Now, now, you haven't arrived now, but now, much more in his life. You're being sanctified. And brother, together, in the coming day, we will be glorified. Amen. You know who the third person is that needs this gospel? Satan. Wow. You know what the devil likes to do? He likes to take your failures your memories, and he likes to shove them in your face. Especially you're enjoying God a whole lot. Oh, you love the Lord. You like to give your whole life to the Lord. 
You like to pour out your life at his feet? You like to give your future to the Lord? Let me remind you of all the sins, all that you've ever committed. Let me remind you of how awful you are. How could you ever get together with the brothers and sisters? What if they knew what you are at your core? What's wrong with you? You better stay away from the meeting. You better not go. You can get together with that full-timer. You're going to go to that outing <laughs> after what you did this week. You did it again. <laughs> You did it again. When this happens, Satan needs the gospel. You need to tell him, I was condemned. That's right, I was condemned. But the righteous God has justified. I'm worse than you ever said I was. But the righteous God has justified. What can I do? And what can you do? The righteous God has justified. Yeah. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Amen. And now, right now, much more in his life, I'm being sanctified. Amen. My mind, emotion, and will are getting saturated with the life of God. Amen. I'm becoming a son in every aspect of my being. Amen. Microphone came on. <laughs> And in the coming day, my body will be glorified. Amen. Satan needs the gospel. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, you need to learn. I'm serious. You yeah. need to pick up these words. You need to learn to preach the gospel to yourself, to your buddy. Brothers and sisters, you need to learn to preach this gospel to Satan. Yeah. And the last person that needs this gospel is everybody else. Your family members, your buddies, your classmates, the people that we know and that we love, the people we don't know and we don't love. Why not? Why wouldn't they want to be freed and liberated from a life of squashing the truth in their conscience? What a miserable existence. What a wonderful salvation. From sinners to sons. From what to what? Sinners to sons. From sinners to sons. Sons in God's life. This is the good news of God for man. And brothers and sisters, this only takes up eight chapters of the book of Romans. So here's my question to you. What's your vision of the gospel of God? What's your vision of the gospel of God? We'll do this now. I'm going to pray. And then we got a whole lot of things that are about to take place, okay? There will be announcements. I don't know if I'm going to give them. Somebody's going to give them. I may give them. But praise the Lord, we're going to pray right now. Yeah. And then we're not going to be cold because we're going to be in the car headed back to Austin, Texas. Yeah. Lord Jesus, we love you. Amen. Lord, thank you for the gospel. Amen. Lord, make us a son in every aspect of our being. Amen. Lord, we look away unto you. Yeah. Lord, we thank you for your word. Oh, what a wonderful thing you've done. Amen. Lord Jesus, we praise you. Amen. Or we tell you that we love you. Amen. Like to open our whole being to you. Amen. Make us sons in every part of our being. Amen. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's good to be a son of God. Okay, so here's the last few quick announcements. Uh, point number one. Uh, please, everyone, take all your trash. You will have brothers uh, who have a trash bag in their hand. You can put it, uh, let's see, right here. I think we got Jacob right here. Who else? Somebody over here. Yeah, these brothers. Uh, and then the trash in the can. So take all your trash, put it in the trash can. Number two, uh, everybody take your own chair and walk back to the trailer, and we'll uh, load all the chairs. So pick up your chair. Once your trash and your chair are taken care of, then y'all quickly run to your cars and dive, dive in, turn the heaters on, and y'all head on back to 2530 South Congress, and we'll see you back there, all right? Praise the Lord.